You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry from FMB Wealth and Investment Portfolio Manager at that institution. Wayne, I'm just looking, there's a couple of things that caught my eye today. Obviously, the US uh, midterm elections, the results are coming through. It's a little bit tighter than uh, Trump and other Republicans would like, I think. But um, the other thing is just looking at my leaderboard on the JSE. Goldfields, 14%, yeah. RB Platinum, 9.4%. Yes. It's And it goes on. I mean, uh, there's one, two, there's three gold shares. Um, Harmony's the worst off, and it's up 7%. Please tell me the story. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I mean, first of all, before we talk about the specific companies, yes, um, gold is holding its own at, you know, 1,700-odd. So it's not big. It's no big movement on the actual gold price. But I think the real, well, the, the real story is gold fields. They wanted to buy this company called Yamana. Yamana, exactly. Yes. And um, it says here, yeah. uh, just, and, in, just intervene. When, it says, they, when they, they, they promised to pay $300 yeah, million dollar that, break fee. What does that mean? That means that if you pull out of negotiations, you've got to pay a fee. Okay. It's a lot of money. That's, that, that's quite normal. But the point is they announced this deal in May. At right. the end of May, and the share price fell from 190 to 140 because the market thought they were overpaying. Yes. Then Goldfield spent the next six months trying to convince the investors what a good deal it is. And then yesterday, Yamana said they've got a counter offer from another party. Um, I forget who it was. It doesn't matter. They've got a counterparty from another offer at 15-odd percent more, if I remember. Your Pan Americans, the company, yes. that they've got a counter offer from. And I think they it is higher. It is a higher amount that, that, that they're offering for Yamana. And Goldfields had five working days to match the offer in terms of Goldfields' agreement with Yamana. And Goldfield just let it lapse. So consequently, the share price has gone has gone from 140 to 170. So it's almost back to where it was before they made this announcement six odd months ago. And I think it's just pulling the other gold shares up with it. RB Platts is a different story because there's now a separate offer out on RB Platts. From Northam, yes, and we'll come to that yeah. in a second. But just think yes. of the gold thing. Obviously, investors are relieved the Goldfields doesn't have to go through with this and um, uh, the break fee and everything from, from Yamana. So they obviously didn't – they either thought it was uh, not a good deal in general or they thought that they were paying too much yes. for, for a decent asset, which I, I think is probably right, actually. I don't know. These gold companies that – I don't know, gold, gold mergers – there's always been a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth because they're either overpaying for assets um, or, I don't know, am, am I being unfair about commodity uh, commodity mergers? Well, look, normally what the guys would do is at the top of the cycle, now we can argue we're not at the top of the of the, um, the, the the gold cycle. I mean, gold shares, you know, they've they've come off quite a bit from the high that we saw beginning of this year yes you know goldfield itself is down from 250 you know even before they made any announcement that it had fallen from 250 to 180 but generally 
mining companies tend to, well, most companies, to be honest, tend to overpay when they find something that's good. But also to be fair on companies overpaying, in a lot of cases, and there are obviously big exceptions, if you think of Australia and some of our retailers and poor famous brands with gourmet kitchen burger, yeah. but generally they can work through the price. I mean, maybe maybe the best example actually is uh, Anheuser-Busch buying South African breweries. I mean, did they overpay there by by forty percent, if if not if not more? Mm. You know, they massively massively overpaid. And, you know, as a consequence of that, their share price has come under enormous pressure. I mean, it's down from 1,800 to 900, so it's halved. Mm -hmm. But you probably find in 10 years' time, they'll be quite happy with the acquisition. So, but I think Goldfields, getting back to Goldfields, you know, I think they saw the shareholder resistance to this deal. They spent, as I said, they spent six months trying to convince everyone it was a good deal. And the share price didn't ever recover. And now I think it might even be a little bit of a sigh of relief there that they can actually just, just step away. The 300 million break fee, that's, 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 that's nothing in the bigger scheme of things. No, it's not, but I, it's I, a hell of I'd, a lot of money. I'd love to go yeah. through the um, through the the last year. I mean, obviously, this deal was conceived a long time ago. Probably the gold price was nineteen hundred, two thousand dollars an ounce, or something at yes. the time. And they thought, right, there's very few uh, available gold reserves worldwide. Let's have a look at this one. And then they kept on looking and looking and looking and flying here and flying there. And they employed some very very expensive legal and investment banking. Teams, I would have thought. I wonder how many yeah. tens of millions have been spent on this deal, which is ultimately not yes. going to come to fruition. A lot. A, a lot. A, a lot. And we'll find it out because they'll declare it in their next quarterly because they will definitively make it an extraordinary, abnormal item and exclude it from headline earnings per share. Okay. So shunt it to one side in a little paragraph on page 32 yeah. of the annual report, that sort of thing. Yeah, essentially, yes. And, and companies love doing this. And it's one, of the, it's one of the true indicators that something, now I'm not by any chance saying that this is Goldfields, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a very good indicator when there's these huge exceptional items every reporting period that something's not lacquer. You know, that you've got so many abnormal items. I mean, other than SAPI, this forestry accounting is crazy. They have these abnormal items every single quarter. You never know what's going to come out. But, yeah. It's, it, it amazes That's me, actually. Maybe, you know, when, when, I, when, I, yeah, when I started investments donkeys years ago, donkeys, donkeys ago. Donkeys. It was an old donkeys years ago. It was an old chap... Um, that used to, and his name was Charles. I just cannot for the moment remember his surname. Mm. But he ran a company in RMB that was called London and Dominium Trust. It was an asset management company. I remember that company. Very yes. small one. Hmm. And the names changed a few times and stuff like that. And he just invested on dividends. He said if a company's paying dividends, they've got cash flow. There's no funny accounting, there's no book entries. They've got cash flow. And if the dividends are growing each year, that's what I'm buying. And, of course, you were scoffed at by all the, the young Turks like me, saying, because, I mean, this was the days, this was the heady days of the the, the 
financial services bubble in the early 90s where you had all these companies that were into derivatives and going to make a fortune and, you know, they all disappeared, but that doesn't matter. You know, there you were just after growth shares and he just stuck to his guns. And, you know, maybe maybe he's right. Maybe you just do buy dividends because then you wouldn't have bought Steinhoff, uh, you wouldn't have bought Data, you wouldn't have bought Nasbers. And you can look incredibly stupid for maybe even five, eight, ten years. But ultimately, in all of those examples, he's turned out to be right, eh? Definitely. He might not have had a job and he might not have he might not have had a job and he might not have had any clients by the time he turned out to be right. Because you know, in in, in the glory years, if you didn't own Didata or you didn't own Naspers, Hell, your performance was shot, eh? Yeah, so you had the fear of so missing out. So you had to you had to jump on the bandwagon and look um, look what's yeah, happened so, so, to subsequently to those again, those companies. Mm. Yeah. So once again, I suppose my central theme of investments is have a diversified portfolio. So have Didata and have nice pass, but if you don't like it, just go underweight. You know, because so maybe diversification is in fact the only on selling investments because no one knows the future. No one knows what's going to happen. But yeah. as I get older and older, I think more and more about dividends and dividend paying companies. Well, you look at someone like uh, Warren Buffett, for example, he never touched tech when everyone else was, was scrambling for it. Yeah. And he t- approved after yeah. the crash of March 2000 in the, in, in the and NASDAQ right. and the dot And he was quite here. But then he had a look at Apple and he was advised to look at Apple and he went into Apple and look how much money yeah. he's made out of Apple. Um, over the yeah, over the last and, and seven, mean, eight tech, years. Tech nowadays isn't the dot-com bubble. No, of course not. I mean, tech nowadays, the shares might have been expensive. Of course, they're all off 50%, some more than that, some slightly less than that, but they're all off. The Nasdaq's off 50%. Mm. So the only problem with tech was the share prices. No problem with the companies. I mean, these are substantial global companies with serious cash flows and very strong balance sheets you know so it's it's never been a dot-com bubble all the tech shares it was just a problem with the share price the it's talking about big tech and that you know the, the, the big tech boom uh, we know the companies we've we've talked about them so many times wayne but Zuckerberg has gone for Meta in such a big way because he he envisages all of us walking around with with goggles on and having a, a, a virtual life. On. I think he has yeah. over. I, I think he's he's talking his own book and his own desires because he's a bit weird. Uh, I, I don't think that Wayne McCurry is no, going to be Wayne walking McCurry's around with something on his VR head. Goggles. No, 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 not a chance, not ever. Thank you. I don't even walk around with things in my ears. Nor do I. And it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting, this fixation about phones and communication. My garage here in Kaya Sands. Now, Kaya Sands not the most prosperous area in Joburg. I know. I know it well. But when I, when, I, when I reverse my car out of the gate, yeah. leaving in, in, in the evenings, you have got to be so careful for the dreaded cell phone walker someone who is so engrossed in what's on their phone and they're scratching on their phone and they're fiddling on the phone, they don't actually see you reversing out of your yard in a big limousine, well, not a limousine, but a big four-seater, four-door car. Right. They're just oblivious to it. 
Now, I know I've got to watch out for them, which I clearly do watch out, but they're just oblivious. They just walk. They don't even see the open gate. They don't see the car moving to come out the open gate. Completely oblivious. They're so stuck in their phones. So maybe the metaverse will work for younger people. I don't know. I hope it doesn't because um, it doesn't. It doesn't appeal to me. I think that uh, Meta has just um, sacked eleven thousand people. Eleven thousand. Okay, it's a it's a huge company, but eleven thousand jobs have suddenly gone uh, because they're burning cash on this thing. And I, I'm not sure mm. that I think he's a bit miscalculated. And when the other thing about people with headphones on and little things in their ears and all sorts of things going on. I'm a cyclist. 24% of all journeys in the Netherlands are, are on, via bicycle, on a bicycle. Yes. And you, you, I'm, I'm riding along, and there's cars everywhere. You've got, you, you take your life in your hands here. Okay, there's, it's much safer than being in the UK. You've got cycling lanes. But you've got, um, yes, yes, you've yes. got bicycles, you've got pedestrians, you've got cars, you've got trams, and you've got buses. So there's five different competing modes of transport, from feet to, to rail, yeah. all at the same time, all come to a junction. And there's these kids walk, uh, cycling along, singing in some, some cases. And so they obviously can't hear what's going on. They can't hear someone hooting. They no. can't hear me shouting abuse they at them. They can't hear hooting, nookies. No. I don't know. No, look, I mean, the metaverse, mm. first of all, I don't understand the metaverse. I don't actually know what it means and what what's trying to be achieved from the metaverse. That's all I know is mm-hmm. Facebook, share, Facebook share prices come under significant pressure. I know. I think he's in a bit of trouble. Significant. Um, Wayne, there's one thing you did say earlier on, and um, it's stuck in my mind, and I'm not being disrespectful here, but you said when you were relaying that London and Dominion story at RMB, you said a young Turk like me. I can't imagine you ever being yeah, a young Turk. I think you've been the same as since the age of twelve as you are now. No, no, no. In 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 the late eighties, early nineties, I was, to be honest, a very different person. I was uh, very aggressive and uh, oh. very short in in my responses to people. I, I, essentially, I was incredibly arrogant. Oh, that's good. It's good that you've realised that. And what happened? Age, I suppose. Well, I suppose reality. Mm. You know. Um, there was a unique set of circumstances that I, I was very privileged to be involved with in the early 90s, and that was R&B Asset Management. It was a huge success in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, the problem with being successful in investments and getting more things right than wrong is you actually start to think you know what you're doing. That You've got this game taped. You know, this is easy. We know what we're doing here. And I suppose the reality is, is that you work out later on in life that in investments, you know, there's no holy grail. There's no, no one can make a statement that they know what's happening in investments because that, that in itself is impossible to make that, that statement. Because if you say I'm an expert, I often get introduced as an expert on investments when I give presentations. And I'm always very quick to add, I'm not an expert because if you go to an expert, you have a heart operation, uh, you know, a specialist, an expert, Mm -hmm. you would be very disappointed with a 55% hit rate. Very, very disappointed. If you go to an expert, you you expect probably at bare minimum a 90% hit rate, you know, 90% 90% success rate. In investments, a good investment manager might have a 60%. So 60% of your calls 
are right. If you are really good, 60% of your calls are right. So I often say that in my presentations. I say, listen, I give the whole story about 60%. And then I say, let's assume I'm a good investment manager. What I'm going to tell you now, only 60% of it's going to turn out to be right. But unfortunately, I don't know which 60%. So 40% of what I'm telling you is rubbish because it'll end up being wrong. And that's that's the nature of investments. That That is investments. Okay. Were you at um, the RMB office in Fredman Drive? You know they built that at the time very smart no, building. No, no. You were never in Fredman no. Drive. Okay. That that we RMB bought um, RMB bought Life. Well, Momentum bought LifeGrow, yeah. and then RMB bought Momentum when they were in that building. But I was always in the old LifeGrow building, which is now the Investec building. Because mm. I just suddenly thought we maybe we bumped into each other. Because I think I spent about nine months, six to nine months at, at RMB, at the company I, I was used working. To go there. Hmm. Just I went, used to listen, go there let me quite tell you, often, the, the, I was never based there. The the um, the company I worked for, a commodity trading company, was taken over by um, RMB, and and so we were all shipped off to, as only a few of us, uh, shipped off to uh, Fredman Drive, and it was run by a chap called Russell, and I can't remember his name. He became the head of uh, the South African Futures Exchange, Afrikaans uh, chap Lopesha. from uh, Russell Loebscher. That's right. He hated me. Russell Loebscher. Russell Loebscher also became the when he left RMB, he became the. the CEO of the JSE. That's right. And also Safex as well. Yes, that's right. Anyway, he, he absolutely so, yeah. hated me because it was, it was a very Afrikaans institution and used to see GT yes, Ferreira and uh, the, the other two um, walking around and they would always talk. Well, if, Paul's not Afrikaans. No, he's not, but he would speak Afrikaans and there would be a lot of talk yes. in the corridors, but it was all Afrikaans and I was English and very English. And, you know, I can be irritating. Let's face it, <laughs> like you were a young Turk. I was an irritating git. And um, they hated me. Me. Russell did. He took an instant dislike to me and he sacked me. And I took him to court and I won on the on the steps of uh, Randberg Magistrates Court. They said they'd settle on the steps, so I did do. But anyway, okay. Wayne, um, okay, so gold shares. You're not a big gold shares fan, I don't think. I think you're more of a... Never uh, have been. I, exactly. I, I, I've never in my life bought a gold share. Good for you. I, I just, it's too risky. You can have glory, you know, with, with any share, you can have glory days and tough times. But in gold shares, if you look at the history of gold shares, they've actually been incredibly poor performers. Mm. Once every five years, you have happy days like you cannot believe, but they are incredibly, notoriously volatile. And over long periods of time, they have dramatically underperformed. And, you know, you can't even call up a chart or a graph of gold shares, you know, an index. Because the JSC even dropped the index a while back. I remember Shapiro was most indignant that they, and there's no longer a gold shares index. That's right. It used to be the 30, didn't it? The 30 index. There were 30 I gold forget. shares in it. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, look, when I joined investments in the late 80s, early 90s, there were 45 listed gold shares. Blimey. There were 45 listed gold shares. And as a percentage of the index, 
I think it was also 30 or 40% of the index was gold shares. Then you had the big consolidation into gold fields and uh, Anglo Gold and JCI. And I think even Anglo Vol, I think it might have even been an Anglo Vol gold. I actually can't remember, to be honest. Um, and so there was a the big consolidation. And then I can remember in my youth, there were still some separately listed shares. Driefontein was the absolute winning gold share. Yeah, Dries became what? Anglo no, Gold Ashanti? No. I mean, was it, it was, it was Anglo Gold, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Hmm. And I suppose, well, look, but look, maybe, maybe um, Anglo American was right to unbundle Anglo Gold. I'm just I'm just using a gold share as a proxy of the gold index. Gold shares did incredibly well in the 70s, phenomenally well. Outperformed the index by 200%. But since then, they have underperformed. So since 1980, they have underperformed the all share index by 90%. Goodness me, fact, 90. A little bit more, probably 90, 90%. 92% underperformed since 1980. And in 2002, you had such a wonderful year. Gold shares kicked bum year like you cannot believe. And then the last time was 2019-2020 when gold, when gold shares. So, so in the last 40 years, you've had three or four happy years out of 40. To me, that's not worth the my 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 one overriding memory of gold is I was in London at the time of the October the nineteenth um, uh, crash, and um, yeah. I can remember a friend of mine who was working in Johannesburg. He phoned me up and he said, "Lindsay, I can't believe it. After the uh, the Dow Jones falling twenty four percent last night, the gold index futures are bid this morning. In other words, they're up because the theory was that gold would be a safe haven. But what they didn't realise yes. was that everyone was selling every single equity that they had, never yeah. mind whether it was a gold miner yeah. or a, a dot-com stock or whatever it was in those days. Yeah. And, I, and he said, I've just sold everything I can. I've hit the bid on the gold index, the gold 30 index, and um, I've just made like 30% in, in a morning. That was the extent of the first, the, 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 the misinformation or disinformation on the on the exchanges in those days, it wasn't this instantaneous yeah. dissemination of information, but also South Africa's obsession with gold, and quite right too. I mean, the, yes. the previous no, economies. Hmm. I, 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 I worked for a very dear man. He's still a good friend of mine. I see him regularly, hmm. and he is such a he's honestly one of the best person people I, I know. He's a real gentleman. He's a fun guy, and he likes motorcars. And he's, he owns more motor cars than I do. Impossible. No, he owns way more motor cars than I do. Not just more, he owns way more. But anyway, he, he cut his teeth in investments in the 70s, where if you didn't own a gold share, you were dead. Right. And he's still a gold bull to this day, after an, in the last 40 years, a 92% underperformance. <laughs> It's still a gold bull. It's, it's a sickness, right? Yeah, I cut my teeth in investments in, in the, let's call it the early 90s, where to beat the index was so easy, you just didn't own gold shares. Mm. You just didn't buy gold shares, you, you, you beat the index. Wayne, um, 
we need to talk about food now. I didn't have a story for you last week, but I've got one for you now because you know, I get cravings. I don't need a lot of meat. I'm not a meat-mad person like you are. But yes. I, occasionally I, I'll see a cooking program or something, and it actually was triggered on Saturday by one of my favourite programmes called Saturday Kitchen Live, and it is live. And they drink wine and cocktails and things in the morning while they're cooking. They have, you know, celebrity, so-called celebrity guests on, that sort of thing. There was a lot of meat involved, and I was just salivating. So I immediately got on my bicycle, and I biffed off to um, this village, and I found a new butcher shop, which would have you salivating if you were in the queue there. Because it was there was a queue, a proper queue, and the Dutch don't just serve you your yeah. meat. They ask how your aunt, your, your aunt is, and uh, how the children are doing, that sort of thing. So it takes ages, but that's fine. It's the way they do things. And yeah. I, um, I, I looked at this, the the steak uh, compartment there, and I ended. I think maybe I should try something different, but I didn't. I went for the old faithful dry aged um, ribeye medium sized yeah. and medium size is pretty big i have to tell you and i put it on the barbecue yeah. when i got home and there were flames and, and everything else and it was uh medium to rare and it was sensation it was buttery but it had the fat in it and everything else but the other thing i did um was that i ordered um, a christmas turkey i ordered a fresh christmas turkey i don't want anything from england because it's full of hormones and it's been frozen for two years um so and then i said but you have to tell me where it's from and he says well it'll only be from poland because we import a lot uh, from there because they have a very well-developed poultry industry or it'll be from France. Uh -huh. So we think it'll be from Poland. So I've got a two and a half kilo uh, turkey coming on December the 23rd. But the thing I wanted to ask sure. you was when, if you had a chance, if, if you had a choice of your favorite steak, you know, is, is it fillet? Is it, is it ribeye? Is it rump? Is it sirloin? What is it? I'll probably go for a rump. Right. I'm not a big fillet fan. I like the meat to be a little bit more Testing. texture to it, to be a little bit, little bit tough now and again, mm -hmm. and and tasty. So I, I I would go for a rump virtually ninety nine percent of the time. Okay. But I, but I must say I went to Turn and Tender. I told you the story. They served an excellent, excellent rump. But I also on the previous occasions where I went to Turn and Tender, I ordered a fillet steak for two. And they actually bring the fillet steak. It's, it's, it's a quite a big piece of meat. It's probably, I don't know, 500 grams, 600 grams. And they bring it on a little skillet, not not one of these searing hot things that burns the meat, just a nice warm skillet. And then you got your plate with your vegetables and your chips and whatever you wanted on it. Mm -hmm. And then you just cut off a nice piece of steak from this. So it was like almost like 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 a roast. Lovely. You cut off a nice piece and eat it. And I must say, Philip, that that was actually very tasty. I enjoyed that, but but uh, the world's biggest rugby fan and I watched rugby on Saturday night. <laughs> you never call her by her name, but I, I respect you for that. Anyway, go on. No, your name's your name's Peter Lynn. Peter Lynn. Um, Peter Lynn, you're a very unusual name. Lovely name. So you just call it Peter most of the time, and it confuses people like crazy. <laughs> I said, but that's a boy's name. Yeah. She said, well, I'm sorry, that's the name I got. But anyway, that's beside the point. We got some snacks for the rugby. I organized some snacks. Mm. Got some Pringles salt and vinegar chips. I got some biltong. I got some M&M chocolate-coated peanuts. And then I got a, a tub of, uh, what's it like, cream cheese, but it's not cream cheese. Um, Cottage cheese. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, it's like cottage cheese, but uh, uh, ricotta, ricotta. There we go. Okay, ricotta. Italian, yeah, yeah. And then I scratched in the cupboard. I scratched in the cupboard because it's a little bit bland by itself. So I scratched in the cupboard, and I found some um, uh, Horatio spices. It's like a rub. It's like a powder, Horatio, and it's from Tunisia, I think. That's right. It's North African. And it's Horatio. Yeah, that's right. I know what you yeah, mean. Horatio, mm-hmm. and 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 I found also found some. A Cape Malay curry powder. Okay. And I mixed them all up in this ricotta, and we had them with uh, Pringle salt and vinegar chips, and it was absolutely delicious. Now, I'm not a huge chip person. Uh, you know, I, I'll eat them, but I don't go crazy about chips. But this with the dips was really good. It's a pity we lost the rugby. That's a shame. But yeah, we'll see again in the game on Saturdays at 10 o'clock at night time. I don't know if I'll be awake. No, I wouldn't have thought so. No, you're not a young Turk anymore. I would imagine not. But um, no, I'm not no, looking no. forward to you playing England because no, England would beat by Argentina. That's awful. Okay, Wayne. Well, thank you very much. That was good fun. Uh, Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment. He'll be back next week again for Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.